Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, invites you to be the informed patient with the podcast that features experts from Central New York's only academic medical center. I'm your host, Amber Smith. As the weather turns cooler in Central New York, it's time for picking apples, raking leaves, and scheduling flu shots. Here with me is Dr. Elizabeth Asiago Reddy. She's the Chief of Infectious Disease at Upstate University Hospital, and she's here to talk about this year's flu season. Welcome back to The Informed Patient, Dr. Asiago Reddy. Thank you for having me, Amber. Is it true that incidence of flu decreased during the pandemic? Yes, it did. And it was quite significant and very much related to the degree to which people were masking, as far as we can tell. So what about this season then? I and mean, people aren't really masking that much. Yes, we we have reason to be concerned that the flu season this year will be more difficult than it has been for the last couple of years. And um, one of the major concerns that we have is because we had the data from the Southern Hemisphere where they've already experienced their flu season. And it, it was quite a difficult flu season, for example, in Australia with a, a lot of young people getting sick in particular. Um, because those young people likely had not been as much exposed during their early lives to circulating influenza due to the reductions we just talked about. Does the continued presence of COVID, because that's still in our community and it's overseas, it's everywhere still, does that impact or will it impact flu rates? So I think... Um, like I was mentioning before, the most likely impact is going to be on any mitigation strategies that we use to kind of uh, keep people apart from each other during the flu and COVID season. So I already brought up masking. Of course, there were others where we reduced the amount of gatherings that people were having or the number of people who were attending gatherings. That really seems to be the major driver of whether or not we experience high levels of flu as well as high levels of COVID. So both of them are infectious viruses. Both of them are transmitted through respiratory routes. So when you get a, a bunch of people together, then you could experience high levels of one or the other. If a person is sick with flu, does that make them more susceptible to catching COVID or does it protect them from COVID? These are two completely different viruses in terms of their lineage, how they're structured. They have, they have different ways they interact with our immune system. So it's not thought that one would confer immunity to the other whether or not our immune system's response to one. So say if I'm if I just got over COVID, am I more susceptible to another virus? I don't think we have enough information to say that for sure. Basically, you would see this as, you know, the risk of anything that you come in contact with, you could potentially get it. You know, if you, if you don't have immunity to it, you could potentially get it. Could you get both at the same time? Yes, unfortunately. And, and that was seen during the uh, flu season in the Southern Hemisphere, that there were especially young people who were getting both at the same time. Most people who get the flu will recover from it, but each year the flu kills thousands of people. Can you explain why it can be a deadly disease in some people? There are two main factors, and we've 
upon over some of the very similar things with COVID. So the first is the immune status of the individual who is experiencing the infection. And anyone who has immune compromise is at elevated risk of severe complications. That includes very young people, as well as older individuals and people of all ages with immune compromising conditions, including pregnancy. Um, and then the other factor is whether or not you, your immune system has experienced this particular virus in the past. So as it relates to COVID, we saw that a lot of the infections were particularly severe when the virus was new because basically no one had experienced this particular virus before. And influenza has the capacity to shift the proteins on the surface and when those proteins shift, it may become a virus that looks more or less similar to viruses that people have experienced in the past. So the, the goal of influenza vaccination is to try and keep up with the shifts in the virus, which I know we'll talk about a little bit, but whatever viruses end up predominating, the extent to which people have been exposed to similar viruses, either through past infection or through vaccination will play a major role in the degree to which people get sick. I wanted to ask you about the reliability of the flu vaccine in preventing people from getting the flu. So let's start with who needs to be vaccinated. Um, are we talking about children, pregnant women, the immune compromised? Do they all need to be vaccinated? Yes, all of those individuals are recommended for influenza vaccination. And that is starting from six months of age. Prior to age six months, um, the infant is expected to have some immunity transmitted through their parent, hopefully, especially if immunization was received during pregnancy. So after age six months, all the way up, it is recommended to get an annual flu vaccine. Babies who are six months of age, they will need to get two vaccines to get started because um, it, it takes more to generate that initial response to the vaccine. After that, individuals would receive a single dose of vaccine every year. You and I are speaking at, toward the end of October. This is flu shot season, but when is it too late to get your flu shot? You want people to get them now, right? Yes. September and October are the ideal times because what you want is a nice peak of antibodies at the time when the season is really peaking itself. So if you get vaccinated in September or October, you'd be anticipated to have high levels of antibody throughout the flu season. If you're vaccinated too soon, the antibodies might wane by the time the season is still in gear. And so you might miss out on some degree of protection. The only exception to that um, in terms of early vaccination is pregnant women. So people who are pregnant in their third trimester during the summer, if they have access to the vaccine, it is recommended that they be vaccinated during that period of time because those antibodies could nurture their infant during the flu season. Is it safe to get a flu shot at the same time you get the COVID booster? Yes, and CDC is recommending that. Obviously, it's much more convenient to get the two of them at the same time if you're recommended for one or either or both. And um, the other thing I want to mention is that if you miss out on being vaccinated during September or October, that doesn't mean that you should skip the whole season. 
it would still be recommended that you should go ahead and get your vaccination whenever it is that you happen to be seen by your provider or you happen to have the opportunity to go and get vaccinated. Um, and that recommendation would last all the way up through the early spring, potentially as late as March, because we continue to see circulation of influenza virus all the way through the end of April. We've been talking about flu shots. Is there a nasal or inhaled option this year? There is, although it, it's less available because of a lot of stipulations and restrictions related to its use. So it's only available for certain age groups, um, age 5 to 49, and it's also only available for individuals who do not have immune-compromising conditions, pulmonary conditions, cardiac conditions, um, and who are not in contact with any immune-compromised individual. So given all of those different features, many of the places that offer flu vaccines do not stock that one, although some practices do stock it. I understand there are a lot of different brands of the flu shot on the market. How should someone go about choosing which one is right for them? Generally speaking, all of them will have similar efficacy and in, in looking at the accumulation of trials that have happened over the last several years. Um, it is important for people who are age 65 and older to have either the high dose vaccine or adjuvated, adju adjuvenated vaccines because those have shown to increase the efficacy of the vaccine in older individuals significantly. And you know, I, I think the practices, pharmacies, et cetera, that are stocking these vaccines are well aware of that and will typically be stocking the doses for younger individuals and those for age 65 and older. But certainly that's an important question to check on if you are in that age group. Otherwise, the only other thing to consider is potentially someone with a very severe egg allergy. There are certain kinds of flu vaccines that are prepared on eggs whereby someone with a very severe egg allergy has a theoretical risk of, of having a reaction to that vaccine. And there are others that are genetically engineered, which do not have, they're not created in eggs. Um, so anybody who has an egg allergy could seek out one of those specifically. Interestingly, however, because the proteins are so incredibly broken down, even in the egg-based vaccine, there are no data actually to show that people who have egg allergies have a reaction to that vaccine. So CDC actually recommends go ahead and get whatever one is available to you, but that if you do have a severe egg allergy and you're getting one of the egg-based ones, you should do it in a clinical setting where you can be monitored afterwards. This is Upstate's The Informed Patient Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Elizabeth Asiago-Reddy. She's the Chief of Infectious Disease at Upstate University Hospital, and we're talking about the 2022-2023 influenza season. I know people should stay home from work or school when they're sick to avoid spreading germs. So let's go over the symptoms of flu. Is, is there distinguishing characteristics that can help with the diagnosis? You know, any respiratory virus is going to have a variety of symptoms, right? So it, it, all of the typical respiratory symptoms, uh, cough, sore throat, nasal congestion, fevers are going to cross over from most of the respiratory viruses. If you look at some features that might be more classic for flu, 
it's the sudden onset and high fevers are, are kind of classic compared to some of the other respiratory viruses. So it, it tends to have more severe symptoms and more lower respiratory tract symptoms with cough and pneumonia compared to some of the other respiratory viruses, which may present more with the nasal congestion and not be as likely to cause high fevers and, and severe coughs. Um, but that having been said, you truly can see the whole spectrum of illness with influenza. I know there are COVID tests available over the counter. Is there anything like that for flu that a person could take to tell them whether it's influenza or not? As to my awareness, these have not been approved for in-home use at this point. And that really gets just to the demand and um, need for the test, which was so high for COVID that the processes were in place to try and make them available. Rapid tests are available for flu. They're administered typically in a clinical setting. So the, the possibility exists that that could move into the home setting in the future. Now, if someone is feeling a little bit under the weather, but they live alone, they need groceries, would it make sense for them to wear a mask to guard against them spreading disease and, and run into the grocery store? Because during COVID, we were masking kind of to protect ourselves. So this would be kind of the opposite of that. Would that be helpful? I would say absolutely it is helpful. I mean, everyone has to kind of weigh the pluses and minuses of the different decisions they're going to make. But if you're known to be COVID negative and as far as you're aware um, and, and you're concerned that you have respiratory symptoms, but you need to interact with others, absolutely wearing a mask is a very viable way of protecting other people. And in fact, um, that that is what... In the past, we we would typically ask even healthcare providers to do if they had influenza. So, for example, if a, if a healthcare provider was infected with influenza after their fever was gone for two days, they would be required to wear a mask until all of their symptoms had been completely resolved. So that's definitely a known phenomenon and way of protecting other people. In terms of treatment, how would you advise someone to take care of themselves at home if they suspect they have the flu? As with any infection or any concern that you have health-wise, if you are concerned about how you feel, you know, your symptoms are significant, obviously touching base with your primary care provider is very important because some individuals might be eligible for treatments. They might be recommended to get testing done to assess which treatments they might need. So that's always very important to keep in mind. And otherwise, um, once you have determined your treatment status, then there, there are no specific home remedies for influenza, uh, similar to other respiratory viruses. This is uh, symptoms management. So things that make you feel better, rest, uh, hydration, um, and possibly over-the-counter medications to reduce your symptoms. How long might it take to recover from influenza? This is variable, but um, it, it can definitely on average be about a week before someone is recovered and it could be shorter or longer depending on their vaccination status and immunity and overall health, et cetera. But it, it oftentimes can be about a week. If a person is infected with the flu in October, early in the flu season, does that protect them for the rest of the season from catching it again? Or do they still need to look at a vaccination, maybe. 
So it, it may not protect them because um, the vaccines that we receive are targeting a number of different influenza viruses to include two different versions of influenza A as well as two different versions of influenza B virus. So you would still actually be recommended to get your vaccine. And unfortunately, somebody could experience an infection with a, a different virus, particularly uh, the possibility of influenza B if you started out with A. B tends to peak later, which is why I chose that order in my, in my head as an example. Dr. Asiago Reddy, I really appreciate you making time for this interview. Thank you so much. My guest has been Upstate University Hospital's Chief of Infectious Disease, Dr. Elizabeth Asiago Reddy. The Informed Patient is a podcast covering health, science, and medicine brought to you by Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, and produced by Jim Howe. Find our archive of previous episodes at upstate.edu informed. This is your host, Amber Smith, thanking you for listening. <laughs>